When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, here we go. Here we go again. Wine pod time. Shout out to Go Currency for making it happen. I'm seeing Go Currency everywhere. I mean, everywhere. I saw it on a TV commercial, a billboard, and they're getting their podcast game right for making the, the wine pod happen for us. We have cheated. We have cheated, everyone. We are already drinking this Italian wine. Hey, do you want to cheers now or what? Cheers, but we will still pour some more in a second. Of course we will. I will say this. I'm going to try hard. You cannot make me laugh really hard tonight because laughing. So your boy had the hernia surgery. Think about I don't, you know, I, I can't laugh too hard. I really just don't. So don't be funny. Don't, don't do anything to make me laugh. We're going to keep it. uh, We're going to keep it unfunny all night. I will say that was one of the most aware. So I went, it was, it was outpatient. So I, you know, like I went in, I think I went under the knife at seven 30 and I was home by like 11. 30 or something like that. Yeah. But that was the most alert I had been. I've had a couple of surgeries. The most alert I'd been like, I was awake when they put me onto the operating table and they said, they're like, Oh, so we're starting the medicine. Okay. And then I felt my anesthesia is creepy. I felt my head get really warm and then it was lights out. I kind of wish every night at bed, you could have that. You could just go, we ready. We're going out. <laughs> But I've never felt I've done I've gone under before. Yeah. I've never felt that like that warm. It was a the last memory I have is like warm head lights out. You were probably thinking about it. you're like I'm gonna think about yeah, what like, this feels like. Well, because you think you're just like okay, here it is. This is gonna happen. Like I am gonna be out in a second. Were you trying to fight it? Not really. I just was kind of like. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> By the way, my anesthesiologist Jim Clements, former Whoa. Lincoln Southeast quarterback. How about oh, that? Yeah. No, I've seen Jim at the hospital. Yeah, so I bet you have. have. Yes. Oh yeah. So I had no idea. So at six o'clock in the morning, in walks Jim Clements. He's like, "So this is what happens to Southeast quarterbacks," and I'm like, "Wow, that's, that's small world that's there. Unbelievable." But yeah, so we'll see. I'm. I'm week out so i'm not like incapac like i couldn't have we coun't have done this last week obviously no, couldn't do it uh are, okay, but so no laughing random question are you a quick to go out sleeper normally like are you a person when you lay down in bed can you go to bed like can you shut your eyes and go to sleep or does it take you 10 20 30 minutes of like i would say more often than not i'm quick you're quick yes i'm not one of those guys that I would one of the worst feelings is when you're laying there and you're creeping up to that like it's yeah. been 20 minutes it's been See, 30 minutes I'm, I'm kind of a 10 20 30 minutes of like it takes me to go and my wife like when she lays down if it's, it's over if it's a minute so I think there it's weird I've heard so many people talk about this where husbands and wives get like resentful to the to the one that can sleep yeah I'm such a fan of sleep I'm like no this is good I'm happy right. for you but like other people get pissed off. They're like, yeah, they're like your husband can be like, well, time to sleep. 
and it's the people that it's can't. a bad feeling when you have been fighting for 20 minutes and then then yeah. your wife comes in and falls asleep before you that's like a really you're like you just feel yeah. like you got him you got crossed up in bed a you know what i mean and it's dunked a little on, bit they dunked you know, on you in they bed. dunked on you in bed which is a bad deal but no i can feel i remember for like i had to i went off coffee for like a week a handful of years ago and that was I couldn't believe now because I am like a multiple cups in the morning and an afternoon coffee guy Ooh. every day. Yeah. And I couldn't believe going off of coffee how fucking tired you are. At the, like when eight o'clock hits, I mean, you are exhausted yeah. and ready to shut oh, her yeah. down. But I was going to say, like, I, I do. I do subscribe to the school of thought of like your bedtime routine, like what you do leading up to that time of like, OK, I'm shutting it down. Like if you're doing if you're on your phone scrolling and stuff like that, then it's hard to shut your brain off. Well, let's see. I'm I'm no phones. Oh, you do that hardcore. Oh, yeah. I mean, my I, I got on my phone where at I think it's eight o'clock. I can't see if texts come in. So like pretty much if oh, like wow, look at you, you, you I, I don't exist past 8 p.m. So like no like I'm I'm a big believer like you want to keep the lights low right like no bright lights yep so I'm a big I'm a big fan of like no text no screens I didn't know I'm, that I'm reading my book so text Bo Rude post eight o'clock you might I, not it might I, not happen no I mean I may see it if, if I you have, have to, your yeah if I have to like set an alarm or something I re-enter the phone to do it but like most of the time like that phone's off and I'm not looking at it. you know what's what's kind of sad is I used to as a basketball player when I would close my eyes I would daydream about basketball like I would think about basketball and mm -hmm. put myself in a game and I would think about like oh and I'm oh man I'm gonna start I'm gonna come off this flare screen I'm gonna hit that shot like and then like you, know, you play a game in your head yeah and I found like once I was done with basketball like it it honestly almost feels silly to do that in some ways <laughs> I I always Nick I'm not lying to you I most nights I'm I daydream about something, whether it's a work scenario that's gonna happen with work, or like I'll just think through I arguments like, with people. I like thinking through like fun scenarios right. like that, but I, I do that all the time. I love it. Uh okay, so we got the we got the wine going. Tell me your songs like Dream Dreamer. Well here okay, so we write so we're doing the song of the day. Let's get the let's get these bad boys on, dog. Yeah, yeah. Let's get these on. The song of the day. You know, and, and it is time for the opening pour. So it I'm is. gonna, I'm gonna. You're gonna do a little up. more. You're, I feel like you're ahead of me at this point. All right, let's just, let's pull. Let's pull wine is tasting amazing. It's good, right? Yeah. Okay, so let me get you. Yeah, hook me up. Hook me up. Hook me up. Hook me up. Oh yeah. Let's get you a real. Oh, you trying boy. to do your boy dirty, dog? Oh, son. We got a lot of things son. to get in tonight. Okay. So song tonight came on randomly. I just put my my music on shuffle. And I was just like cleaning the house and it came on. And I was like, well, I haven't heard this song in a long time. Okay. I don't even know how else to set it up other than I want to play it. And then we'll just kind of get into what, what this song, where my brain went when I heard this song after I haven't, hadn't heard it in a while. Obviously everyone's going to know this. Okay. Bone thugs in harmony. The crossroads. I don't know what it was. I hadn't heard this song in a long time. And uh, how many times did we watch the video? Well, the other thing that I wrote down, do you remember? This was the first song I ever recorded off of the radio onto a tape. And you and I in my living room when we were 10 years old 
would put in the tape and we'd listen to the song. But we saw this video a million times. I would come over after school and it'd be that four. Like it was on MTV's yes. like countdown. I think from like four o'clock on or something. And it was like number one, you know, however many times. But we would wait for that moment. This song was huge. They're walking up the mountain. And it's yes. Easy. I mean, oh yeah. So a couple of things I was thinking about. This song, you think you've heard the song a million times. You think you know the words. If you Google the lyrics. You aren't even close. You're so far off. So, is it, so follow me. I have no idea what that. I don't know. But, I but say, you so follow me, Roadstro. <laughs> I, I don't say Sco. And what would Sco be? What, but you look up the lyrics. What it is, is that lyric? That one right there. Follow I me. I don't road. know. Let's pull it up here. Sco. Crossroads. Oh, no. I'm telling you, it is. This might be the ultimate, like, hilarious how bad you are butchering the. Yeah. Who? Yes, we did. I think we were preparing for a. I don't talent know what we show, were. And we were for. thinking we were going to lip sing this in the talent show. And we never did. We never have. Thank God. Why they kill my? See, it's why'd they kill my dog? Easy E. Yeah. And then, man, I miss my uncle Charles, y'all. I mean, anybody that's got Uncle Charles, that really hit home. But I, yeah, I don't. Now follow me. I'm trying to look it up. I don't know what it. I think it's follow the Lord. Oh, follow the Lord. I think so. Follow the Lord all 24 seven. It's I'm telling you, you look at it. You're like, I don't know how they do this because you look at it and you're like, how are they rhyming it and making it work? But they're making it work. It's incredible. They can go fast. Oh, so, okay. So I wrote that down of first song ever recorded off the radio. Yeah. I think one of the things that kids these days just have no, like having access to any song ever instantly is mind blowing. Yeah. Like, I don't think, because we talked about having to go home and at four o'clock you knew like, okay, this, if I want to hear Bone Thugs in Harmony today, it takes work. Like, I, okay, it's four o'clock. I better get to wherever, and now I can listen to it. You know what I mean? It's a different mindset of it's all at your fingertips. Every kid has everything at their fingertips, right? Right. right. And in the old days, it was like you would either, I mean, the farther you go back, the harder it was to get the song you wanted, right? Right. Especially if it wasn't like, if it was number one on top, 40, whatever, you might get to hear it a lot. But otherwise, you just like, You'd be scanning the radio and just you're waiting at right. the mercy of the DJ right. who's running the radio, running the TV show right. or whatever. And it's just a different world. You had to like earn it or you had to tape it, like find a time to tape it and make it all That's work. what I'm saying. I think I figured out because because uh, and there you go. There's a song today, Bone Thugs Army, Crossroads. But that, I think I figured it out on like uh, back in the day, KFRX or whatever. You know, they'd have their like top eight at eight, I think it was. Yeah. And so you time it out like the number one song would be at whatever the 830. And I knew Bone Thugs would potentially be number one. And so I like waited for it and I recorded it. And it was a big deal. You it was a big deal. And then the other thing we talk about the music videos, like the video itself in some ways was just important as the song because they were like, you couldn't separate the two because yes. your only way to listen to music oftentimes was to watch the video. So they became synonymous with one another. Okay. So, so we're going to have to talk more deeply about this book hopefully in in a week or two so i I just started reading 
the 90s. The 90s, Chuck, it's Chuck closer, man. Yeah. You know, he talks a lot about music videos. Yeah. Um, you know, smells smells like teen spirit. Yep. Like that, the, the thing about the, like these music videos in the 80s and 90s was it so shaped your mind of what the songs were. So right. like, think if you would have heard Smells Like Teen Spirit or Bone Thugs and never seen the video. Mo Money, Mo Problems. Yeah, think he's got the golfing. And see it, like the puffy suits floating. And yeah. like, if you'd never see that, do you feel differently about the song? I think you do. Well, when I hear like, uh, what is it? Blind Melon, No Rain. You instantly think of the girl in, in like the, the Bumblebee suit. suit. The Bumblebee suit. You know, that that don't necessarily have anything to do with, with the song. Yes. But yeah, it was hard to separate the two. And that's the part I don't like. I'm. I mean, it's, yeah, you're trying it, to figure out what that it influence is. on. It, I know it does. It almost makes me. I wonder if like I like certain things less because I the video made me just put it in a category or something instead of just being like, let me listen to music. Well, they they say now TikTok is really influencing music because you know it gets made there. You know, some songs got to get have the beat to be able to put into a TikTok yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But like music videos had to have impacted music in some ways. I mean, I think. Just the image, the especially being a hip hop guy, the images projected from hip hop were all very. I mean, it yeah. was it was women dancing, jewelry, cars. You know, though, like it was all those kind. Now, granted, those were in the lyrics of the songs, oftentimes, but nevertheless, like the imagery of it was Nick, a whole generation of kids. Like, if you like, I always think about like even Irving Middle School, or like you go to your average middle school, high school, like. Like there was a group of kids, call it ten or twenty percent, that grew up watching like hip hop videos, and they were going to dress that way. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like yes, and you just like it, that's what happened. There was a group of kids that was like, I watch grunge videos, and that visual influences me. So they're wearing skater, yeah, grungy, like you know, flannel and that whole thing because they saw Kurt Cobain wearing flannel, like. It, they see it and it changes the way that they are almost. It's well, bizarre. Yeah, it's funny how I just don't even know necessarily now how what gets influenced in pop culture from a music standpoint without a music video. I mean, they you have know? music like, videos. Snoop, I just don't think Snoop, people watch music Snoop videos. in the early 90s with, with like he had flannels. So flannels became like a thing for like hip hop dudes to wear well, you know dre was, had his white socks hat on well and they like, were they were and, all wearing the the so the brown pants wife beater yeah like and like that's that's like comes from like prison culture right because prison culture was like that was a certain style hip-hop took that style and like made it like a mainstream Indu so mainstream kids in nebraska were wearing like, that yeah like like you know quote unquote like semi-prison style like like the influence of prison on gangster rap then influenced lincoln nebraska, lincoln nebraska irving middle school it's nuts to think about i know but that's how it works the other thing i wrote down lots of songs and general content in the music industry about death in the 90s like so both the biggies albums ready to die life yeah. after death crossroads we just listened to uh Tupac rapped about death all the time. Yeah. My girl Mariah Carey had the song with Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, that was like a huge, it might have even won a Grammy, I yeah. think. Puff, I'll Be Missing You, Gangsta Lean, Miss My Homies, Master P. Like there was just a lot of, there was a lot of rapping about death. Well, it was a weird time. I mean, now you don't see any of that because it's a different era. Um, 
in that era, it was, it was like, God, I mean, the eighties were way worse for gangs, but in the early nineties, like gangs were a big deal. People were dying on right. the streets and that's where a lot of the, the influence came from. And then the whole East, East coast, West coast that's what thing I'm saying. was think, real. It was a real the two thing. biggest, arguably the two biggest rappers in their prime, both die in got the nineties. Killed, got a got shot, you know, like, yeah. And so that obviously is going to infiltrate it, but it just, it was, I was thinking like, man, there's a lot of death it was, talk in the, because in, it was gang. I mean, it was gangster yeah. rap. And I think at its height, some probably, of that was real sort of like gangster culture. And some of it was like people wanted to live that life. And they sort of like started living that narrative almost. Yeah. Where it's like people are dying and it's dangerous, but it's cool or something like, so it's such a weird moment to think about. Yeah. I mean, even the poster boys in the hood, like that whole mo movie is yeah. very much like that was dealing with, that was reality in I mean, that's yes. South central. Right. And yep. uh, did, did, yeah, it's South Central. Yeah, South, South Central, Central LA. Yeah, yeah. either they don't know, don't show, or don't care about what's going on in the hood. That's right. That's right. You know, <laughs> Ricky, know. Ricky, Ricky was, Ricky was going to go to SC. You know, how would Ricky have been in Lincoln Riley? Bill system? Bush, probably pretty good. Side note: Bill Bush recruited Ricky Thanars. Was he from Compton? Or was I he think from? He was from. He was from like. He was from a. He was California, from LA, right? in a rough part and bill bush went and got him <laughs> like, oh, like went and like like showed up i'm i guarantee just like in the movie uh from just he's listed from la from los from angeles LA. california I mean, so i i know ricky came from a tough a tough area but um i love i it. always gave bill bush a lot of credit that he he was he went, the guy he went that, in to see went in there i mean bill bush from pinder nebraska <laughs> goes to like goes South to la Central. and pulls it i love Gets it ricky see i love it i love it yeah, I love it. The Dick Bob Podcast is powered by Peerless Energy Systems. You may hear a name like Peerless and think, man, that's an interesting name. Well, let me elaborate here. If you're the owner, Ed McMorrow, was watching the 1998 Orange Bowl, Nebraska, Tennessee, and Peerless Price was a wide receiver for the Tennessee Volunteers, and he was asked about his name on the sidelines, and he said it meant, quote, without equal. So that model stuck with Ed, and when the company was launched in 1999, just a year later, he wanted to create a company that was without equal in the industry. So Peerless Energy Systems was born. Peerless is the Solaire authorized distributor for Nebraska and Iowa. They go to market via local distributors and make some of the best air compressors and ancillary compressed air equipment in the industry. Peerless has three core values. Reliable, dedicated, responsive. And that's exactly what you get when you get Peerless Energy Systems on your team. They are locally owned and operated. They have certified compressed air auditors on staff. They have a large local dedicated rental department and 24-hour emergency response for service parts and rental equipment. Pretty good right there. So if you're in manufacturing, food processing, utilities, transportation, refineries, maybe you work in a body shop, car dealer, automotive, countertop makers, I could go on and on, but you get the point. For any air compressor needs, Peerless Energy Systems has you covered. Go to peerlessenergy.com. That's peerlessenergy.com. Uh, speaking of of coaching like candidates and stuff, I, I don't know how you were. How So Saturday... Saturday Husker bye week. My analogy I gave was it was 
Frost has now been fired, and it's almost like you you broke up with your longtime girlfriend, and it was your first time going out single. And so you went to the bar, you went to the club, and you were falling in love with everyone you saw. That was me Saturday watching college football with every head coach. Like I was falling hard for Lance Leipold and falling hard for Chris Kleiman. And of course, falling hard for my guy, Dave Aranda, who who went to Ames and waxed Matt Campbell's Heine. Yeah. What uh, did you did? Did you get to watch a lot of football? Did you try to like disengage? I disengage. I'm I need a break. Watch a down football on Saturday. Sometimes you need like. I don't it's, know. It's been a hectic four weeks. It, it was a, I don't know how people out there uh, that are listening felt, but to me, it was like, I just needed to not think about football mm-hmm. for a weekend. Cause you know, it's been such a tumultuous couple of weeks that it wasn't like, I just needed a Nebraska break. I needed to just, I just didn't want to think about anything. So I just took a day off and just was like, well, family yeah. day, had some fun. And I, I saw the text start coming in about the Martinez game. Oh, yeah. I, I was like, I'm like, I'm not even going to do it. I watched yeah. all, almost all of that game. But you're right. Like, to say that this has been tumultuous, imagine imagine when we were sitting here recording our preview podcast, if someone would have said, Nebraska's going to lose to Northwestern, Frost is going to kick an onside kick up 11, and it's going to be an atrocious decision, and that's going to be like almost like a spiral point. Then Nebraska is almost going to lose to North Dakota. Then they're going to lose to Georgia Southern. Frost is going to be fired. Then they're going to get run off the field by Oklahoma. Chenander is going to be fired. And then, oh, by the way, the next week, Martinez is going to dominate Oklahoma in prime time and come through in the clutch, not once, but twice in the fourth quarter. Like, literally, it is this season is like what I just described to you would be like, well, that'd be like That's, laughable worst, worst case scenario. There's like scenarios, good, bad, wor- like that's the worst case scenario. Yes. And we hit it like out of the park. Yes. It's just, an, it's incredible that that's how it was uh, so far through four weeks, but I can totally understand how you needed a break. I, for some reason, I think it was my hernia made it so like I had to sit and just like yeah. ice and chill. And like, I was really, I was excited to watch. I wanted to watch Kansas. I wanted to watch Leipold. I wanted to watch Aranda. I was excited to watch Martinez play Oklahoma. I wanted to, I wanted to, to sometimes it's nice to take a peek around. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I was thinking about this, like, I don't know if I'm falling victim to the higher, the opposite of the last guy syndrome. You know, people can do that. Like, or we even see it with relationships. Like you want the opposite of your ex-girlfriend. And like, cause right. Polini was like mad and mean. So they, you hire Riley. Who's like soft and nice. You know, I I'm finding myself like, as I, as I wrote this down, I wrote down ideal things I want on the resume from a coach. You know, it was like, I got like eight things down and it was like a distant last thing is offense. Like right now, I don't give a shit about, this a head coach's acumen offensively. And I don't know if I'm now, if I'm falling victim to that was frost. He was the offensive guy that didn't work. And so I want something completely different. Cause to me, it's like defense is like my number one thing that I want. I want a defensive oriented, defensive minded coach. I know I'm preaching to the choir. I like, I'm liking this, what you're talking about. I also, I wrote down, here's what I wrote down defense. 
Midwest Big Ten experience and or fit. I do want someone that's been a head coach for a while that's got a little bit of a proven track record. Recruiting, you got to write down recruiting, and I want to get into that. Either an elite national recruiter or a guy with Midwest ties that can, you know, develop and got an eye for talent. And then I wrote like distant, 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 distant fourth or fifth would be offense. Am I falling victim to? I think you are. I actually think hire the last guy. I think or hire the opposite last guy. A little bit victim to that. I, 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 if I have to choose between an offense and defense coach, I, I'm just a. I'm just biased and would choose defense too. Like if I had to, but like, I think it's less important whether they're an offensive offensive or a defensive guy and more important that they are going to be a good head coach, a good recruiter and a good program builder. Like, right. Can they hire, like if you're an offensive coach, can you hire the right defensive coach? That's right. Yes. I don't really care if you're a defensive coach or an offensive coach. Are you a good enough, coach and evaluator of other coaches to know what a good the good opposite side of the ball looks like because like i feel like when i've seen coaches in person that are good at their side of the ball and they don't recognize what's wrong on the other side right and that seemingly was part of frost's i think issues i don't think he was really this year I don't think he gave he thought about defense, right. you know, like, I don't think he was concerned about it. I, I don't think he w- was concerned about special teams most of his time here. Right. That That's still part of the problem. Like the head coach is responsible for everything. So right. you got to know everything. Like I'm, and this is a bad example because nobody's this guy, but Bill Belichick knew, knew it all. Right. So like, I got to watch a guy that like, he knew every coach, what they should be teaching and why and if you didn't do that, he would either correct you or you, they need to find somebody else, you know, that I, can do that job. And that's so the standard is that obviously not everybody's that coach, but I guess my point is, no, it's a good point. The, the guy that it, I want, the guy that knows how to, how to build a program and evaluate not just players, but also coaches. I think that's a great point. I would say and again, I don't know if I'm prisoner of the moment with like extrapolating everything that Frost was was associated with Frost and thinking that is like I'm taking that too far. But I think it's easier. I'd rather have a head coach that is more like I think it's easier to outsource the offense than it is to outsource the defense in mm-hmm. that. If you're. If your head coach is an offensive guy, that just takes up more bandwidth of your of your mind than I think. Be, and maybe I'm shortchanging defense. Well, but like I, I think if you're a head coach and you're thinking about offense, or and you're the offensive, you're you're more offensive centric. You're that consumes more of you than if you're a defense. Well, here's here's the kicker, right? So Pat 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 Fitzgerald's a defensive coach. Does he call the plays? For defense. No. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. Most of these offensive guru guys call the plays. Sucks up their work. Like you say, it sucks up their mind. The defensive coaches don't usually coordinate the defense. Right. So I think there is that. I don't know what it is. It's the like, I would need control of the game that goes on the offensive side uh, of the ball where the defensive head coaches coach 
the whole team. That's I guess maybe that's what I'm getting at. They like, aren't trying to call the defensive plays. They're coaching the team. They're thinking about, well, we need to, you know, let's, let's keep the defense fresh. So we need to hold it. Like they're more talking about strategy, where I think the offensive guys fall victim to I'm gonna call this killer game. Yes. I'm gonna my play calls are gonna beat the defense. like they get victim to their play calling. I totally agree. I just think most outside of Tom Osborne who is just almost a unicorn in that he was calling the plays, was an offensive guy, but had a great feel for the game mm-hmm. and didn't. And somehow he was able to like compartmentalize like what was going on offensively with the game, with the defense, with who's in, with feel. Ah, we don't want to go for it here. This is a time to maybe dial up a trick play. This is time to like whatever. And I just think what, and, and you said it a lot more eloquent, eloquently than me that, I just think defensive guys. I like how they're able to to see the whole picture better. Yeah, they're they're not focusing on this. They're focusing on they're zoomed out. To they're me. zooming out, and they are saying, "Okay, how are we gonna how are we gonna win this game like holistically? It's yes. a whole like on the whole." So Oz, you you brought up Osborne. Osborne had a system that lent to like. He can call plays, but they're going to be 90% run plays. Yeah. Run and play action and only throw like drop back passes if you absolutely have to. But like it was run clock. It was wear them down in the fourth quarter. We get stronger at the end of the day and they're going to get worn out and we'll win the game in the fourth. Like that was the mindset for decades. And, you know, Run the ball on defense was part of that strategy. So he didn't have to, you know, game to game, pull it. And really, like, it was just like, this is what we do. And so he got really good at knowing how to do that. Yes. And so I keep going back to where, like, I like Dave Aranda in that way. I think, I think he checks a lot of those boxes. Yeah. The Nick Bob podcast is powered by Runza. You know, there are a lot of ways to, to greet someone. Hey, hi, hello, what's up? Another way is, what's popping? Well, here's the thing. That greeting has taken on a new meaning now because the answer to what's popping is now Runza's new popcorn chicken. That's what's popping. Runza's new popcorn chicken is amazing. Little bite-sized, delicious, all-white meat chicken that make any day better immediately i love them my wife loves them my kids cannot get enough two-year-old mac six-year-old mava are constantly wanting to get it popping great for a snack great for a meal pair them with the best crinkle fries on planet earth and you are set all i gotta say is you need to get out to a Runza location nearest you and get it popping. What's so hard to understand about that? Get it popping with Runza's all-new popcorn chicken. Runza makes it all better. But you brought up recruiting. I wanted to get into this. Because we talked about it. I referenced the Sean Callahan nugget I saw in Big Red Wrap-Up. You know, people always point to, when they talk about Nebraska, it's recruiting issues it's got the fewest four and this is from sean fewest four and five star recruits in the 500 mile radius of any power five job in the country urban meyer i read a quote from him he was asked about the nebraska job he says this is urban meyer's quote he goes quote 
you you have to ask why they struggle today. And my answer is the recruiting base. Nebraska is an elite job. Nebraska got has, has got historically one of the winningest programs, a great fan base. They've been down. They have to figure out this recruiting piece. They have to get someone who understands that area. So, but everybody talks about how hard it is to recruit here and all the recruiting issues here. So chew on this. I went back through on 24-7's composite recruiting rankings, okay? And I get it. You can roll your eyes to recruiting rankings. It's gotten to where it's a it's a big industry. More yeah. often than not, they're right than that. Sure, Amir Abdullah is a three-star, and he was amazing. But for every one example of that, I'll show you a billion three-stars who were three-stars, you know? But chew on this. Going back to 2011, so that was Nebraska's first year in the Big Ten. So I'm going back 11 recruiting classes. Nebraska's had the number one ranked recruiting class in the Big Ten West every year except 2014. And I'd imagine the Bo Pelini turmoil impacted that. Yeah. And then here is where Nebraska's recruiting rank- rankings, class rankings stack up in the Big Ten. So this is just in the Big Ten. I'm, I'm, I'm focusing there. 2011, second in the Big Ten. 2012, fourth. 13, 3rd, 14, 6th, 15, 4th, 16, 5th, 17, 5th, 18, 4th, 19, 4th, 20, 4th, 21, 5th, which spits out to an average of 4th. So the average recruiting class ranking has been 4th in the Big Ten. Keep in mind, you're recruiting, like, you're behind behemoths like Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, where, let's be honest, like, I don't know if Nebraska is ever going to be able to out-recruit those, those teams. Michigan, Ohio State are going to be really hard. Oh, Penn State, maybe Penn State's a, it's a mid. They're like us in a lot of ways. Right. Um, I would. Here's what I'd love to see, and I don't have these stats. I don't know if anybody does. I would love to see like our high ranked recruits. What's the hit rate on those? Well, like, yeah. Okay. What's so the hit rate on like the guys that actually end up being good players that are our high recruits. I have a suspicion that we are getting like the low end of the performance side of like these four star star guys. Yeah. High threes or whatever. Like, I just feel like, man, every good recruit we get, I just don't feel like it's like, and that guy's good now. It's like, because because that's what goes or this guy's sucks or because that's the thing is you hear those things. And yet I feel like one of the things we've talked about is I felt like for a while, there's been a talent issue. Like, well, I'm yeah. not seeing difference makers, but like, according to the recruiting rankings, Nebraska's got the most talent in the Big Ten West. But here's here's where I think this was fascinating. Max Olson of The Athletic wrote about this, and this is really interesting. I'm just going to read it's three paragraphs from the story. Yeah. During the Frost era, Nebraska has lost. 56 scholarship players to the transfer portal, second most in the Big Ten. But here's the real issue. 40 of those departures came from the players in the staff's first three recruiting classes. Among those 56 scholarship players who transferred, who transferred out, 45 stayed in the program for two years or less. 19 were gone by the end of their first year in the program. Just as troubling was how many of these signees failed to make an on-field impact at Nebraska? Of the 56 transfers, 43 played less than 100 career snaps on offense or defense for the Huskers, according to data from Pro Football Focus. 
there were 19 who played zero snaps. So for me, I guess this is where I'm I'm just throwing this out there and trying to figure this out because there's been this recruiting topic that people throw out there. I think maybe the recruiting base thing is overblown. Nebraska is able to get people here. Their problem has been retention and development. I think it might be evaluation and evaluation. I think it's evaluation and retention. Like, I mean, obviously if you're losing guys, that's bad, but maybe like the guys are losing, they're like, good, get out of here too. Because Nick, I don't know. I mean, we, we got, remember that. I think the one signing class to me is tells me the story. Like right now, let's be honest. Our secondary. Yes. has not been good. No. I mean that that's a fair statement. Then that's not being like I'm not being overly mean. critical or mean. No, they have not been good. Right. And if you look at the top recruits we've gotten in the last three years, none of them are either here or playing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like none of them. Like remember those Miami guys that yes. came in and they were they were here like they had a cup of coffee and they and left. they were gone. And like that's the type of stuff that to me. Totally we, agree. We whiffed on for years where we were trying to get these people that didn't want to come here. Like we need to recruit like solid dudes that want to be here. Yes. More than like we were chasing stars and we were chasing like ratings and we got the ratings and we didn't get the real talent or the, the program building players. I think we whiffed on all of that for years. For years yes. we did. Yeah, because I, I think it's 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 about talent evaluation, development, and retention. Yeah. And a part of that talent evaluation is what you're talking about is finding the right people that fit in Lincoln and are actually going to stick in Lincoln. Yeah. I mean tr- because you cannot have that kind of because I think it's I think it's two a bunch of different things working against Nebraska. So uh, so maybe I'm talking out of both sides. This is where the 500 mile radius gets gets tra- tricky because you're having to pluck guys from outside of the radius. So sometimes it's a culture shock when you're outside of that yeah. 500 mile radius, which probably increases the chances that they get here. They go, oh crap, I don't like it here. I leave. But at the same time, I, I just think you're. I also think there's a part of your culture that can be built to to handle that. And, I also think it's your job as the as a coach and recruiter, like. Figure that out on the front end. You don't bring them. If they're a flight risk, if they're a guy that's like, I don't know if they're going to stay or not, then you can't take them. Like right. you take the guy that is maybe not as highly rated, but they're like, I'm dying to be in Nebraska and I'm going to stick it out. Like you got to go with those guys right, right now over these guys we can't count on. Like to me, it's like, can you count on them? And if the answer is, I'm not sure, that's a no. Right. And we've been going with the like, Let's go with that. I'm not sure guy that's got a nice four star. Right. And he's not the guy. That's not who we can build because you program. cannot survive with that kind of attrition and losing that many players. Yeah. Y- you. So that's what's hard about it's misleading. You see those recruiting rankings. It's like, well, these classes are getting decimated by players leaving. And so I think it's a it's a combination of talent evaluation on fit. Yeah. For when they get to Lincoln. But then I also think, because what I went back is this spans back to 2011. You know what else kills attrition? Three head coaches in 11 seasons. Yeah. 
Nebraska's had three head coaches. And then on top of that, you're dealing with turmoil of like Bo's on the hot seat for two years. Riley was a dead man walking. Frost has been on the hot seat for over a year. Like, so it's a bunch of these things that work against it. But I just, I think it's interesting that you're able to get the guys here from a talent standpoint. I think it's from a rating standpoint. Right. I don't know that it's a talent standpoint. Because that's what's I, funny. I is literally I work- think we are getting we're getting guys that are highly rated at times, but I'm not seeing the like like the difference between a two star and a four star sometimes is like it's non existent when they actually get here. And that's the problem is like I want the four stars that we get, they should be noticeably different. I have never not. I mean, Nebraska's outcruited Minnesota. I'm just using them as an example. But when I watch Minnesota and Nebraska play, I do not see the discrepancy that the recruiting rankings would tell you it is. No, I just like one of the things about this year in particular is, man, Nebraska, this team is like almost painfully unexplosive. Like who who's a freaking athlete? Anthony Grant. Anthony Grant, Trey Palmer, probably those are our two. I would say, the, but on defense, like who is really a freaky deaky? Well, our secondary is none. Uh, Reimer, Reimer, I think I'm interested to see. I'm, I'm actually like if like Reimer stock right now. I'm I'm probably buying. I think Reimer. I said all along. I've been saying this since January. I thought it was a huge mistake that Nebraska didn't try to do everything they could to get out of that Ireland game. That was a huge mistake. Everything that was at stake for them to go to Ireland. Yeah. I think that fucked them up. But I think the going there, the jet lag of that, Reimer getting sick, maybe worse than anybody else. Like <laughs> I, I Reimer at times has looked explosive to me, but he hasn't looked explosive this year to me. He's coming off surgeries. I'm I'm just I'm 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 not sure where he's at this year. Um so I think a little bit more time will be good for him. But it's also like linebackers will follow the D line. The D line's not playing right. up to par, especially interior guys. Like it gets a little bit dicey. Um, I think, you know, between Mathis and Nelson, like those are our guys that like, those guys are decently explosive, but not like they just haven't gotten a chance to shine this year or something, but I don't know. I don't know. It, it we haven't been good. We just have not been good across the board. We've been getting out schemed. We've been getting outplayed. Like it's there's a lot that has not gotten right. So it's hard to be like we're good in in any year almost. So it's weird, I guess, to put a bow on the the recruiting thing is like because people just throw that like I the next guy's got to be able to recruit. The recruiting is issue is at Nebraska is real. They got to be able to recruit, and it's like that's a very loaded like Nebraska needs. And this is why dudes like Leipold or Chris Kleiman like are interesting in that like they're they they strike again. I call them the HGTV guys. They're builders. They know how to build that foundation. I think they know who they're looking for to get that that continuity yeah. in your program and develop guys and have an eye for talent. Well, it's funny and, and so like, it, I feel like we've done a we have we've missed a lot in like Iowa, Kansas. Missouri, like you talk about like St. Louis, Kansas City, and then you go like Minneapolis, Wisconsin, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. Like we need to do a better job just recruiting there. Like it's it's I think it's like a given, like, oh, we get the players we want from from around Nebraska. Right. Like we're not even getting those players. Like, so if we can get those players first, then you can recruit Texas. 
maybe a little bit from California, Florida, Georgia, whatever, but like you got to start, you got to just be good in the 500 mile radius. So maybe that's what good. Maybe that's what uh, Urban's talking about with like how he ended his quote of being like, they have to get someone that understands that area. Well, yeah, we just, we don't actually do great around Nebraska. Like not right. just, like we got to bat 80 or 90% around Nebraska. And we're just, and this is what we're losing hurts you. If you lose now, Iowa is taking those. I cause Iowa has a decent, like they got a million more people than we do. Yeah. So they have, you know, if we have four or five recruits worth recruiting every year, they have 10. Well, and the problem is they've come in and they've taken Noah Fant from Omaha and yeah. they took Cluster Johnson's kid and they took, you know, like that's what I'm they, saying. We're losing in Omaha. Right. Instead of like, okay, Omaha used to be a given. And we used to take Iowa, who we wanted out of Iowa and Missouri kind of as a given. Right. And now it's it's a battle. We're losing Omaha sometimes, and we are struggling to get out of well, out of Minnesota, Iowa. Missouri. Here's the thing, too, that I think is going to be challenging for everybody is the transfer portal is going to make player development. I wonder I, I wonder what that looks like now, like getting guys to like when you came to Nebraska, you probably I don't know what your expectations were. But I, I'm sure you were like, I'm going to come in. I got to get bigger, stronger. I got to do like three years seemed reasonable. Like three, yes. four years. Like, I'm going to wait three or four years and I can play. Like, and, that and I just don't. Reasonable. And I don't think people th- I don't think kids think like that now. And they don't think like so that. it's it, what's hard is like Nebraska probably has to be a developmental program. And I think player development could be challenging in this transfer portal world. I think it is unless I, you get the right dudes. I think the the because what's hard is you don't want to live in a world of like, just give me a bunch of give, I'll take a bunch of one stars that want to be here and we'll go kick Ohio State's ass like, no, you won't. OK, no, you, you won't. won't like yeah. there is a non-negotiable level of talent that has to be there. And, and even the the transfer portal, it's like there's a reason why they're transferring because something is Was not you- going right there. I mean, I mean, a Trey Palmer is like, I think is like that's a win. That's a win for us. Right. Like that's a guy that like, and that was a rare circumstance. He was sitting behind like first rounders, and then, Nicky comes, and then us. his coach, his coach gets fired, and his receiver coach goes to Nebraska. Like that's a very rare it situation. Is. But you find out. I don't mean any offense. Like you find out why Devin Drew was in the transfer portal and why Stephon Wynn was in the transfer they're portal. They're fine. They're, 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 they're fine. Their bodies. They're guys. And I'm not saying like there's a there's a place for guys, but when when a guy has to be the man, then you're in trouble. That's a great point. When a guy has to be the man, and that's the problem is I think maybe this is now. I hey, mean, hey. again, <laughs> you a guy because you're acting like you're supposed to be the man. No, no, you're a guy. You're a guy there. You want to be the man here? That's pretty much what Nebraska was doing though. They went into the portal like you're a guy there. You can be a star here, and it's like yeah, I don't know about that. You want to be a man? I know you're only a guy, but come be a man. Make here. a man out of you and Lincoln here. You know that's what I'm saying, Doug? But that's not going to work. And oh, yeah, you find out like more often than not, dudes are in the portal for a reason. I think our, our if if I have to say there's a saving grace, I really think it's got to be if Nebraska fans and boosters are willing to shell out shell out for NIL. the NIL. If we're willing to just pay the good guy, right. players to come here that we can sort of pick, that's going to be our best way to recruit more than I, – I think it's literally like we have to be willing to pay to win. 
<laughs> I mean, Nick, I'm serious. Yeah. Like right now, I've watched this for 20 years. Try to like, this is the model. This is the model. Let's do like right now. I'm not seeing the organic model more than I am. Like if we're willing to write the check, like yeah. that's the fastest way. I to agree. Get it. I agree. In a weird way, like we're rarely positioned to do it. Like we kept talking about infrastructure last pod. Yes. We have the infrastructure. Like if we're willing to write the check and get the players to win, then we can build on that. But like if we need to win first, interesting. And it's like interesting. It's, you, so you think that's inter- that's an interesting freaking, topic. Like you think that you need to open up the checkbook before well, you. I want to build organically. I don't want to just write checks for players. I want to build it organic. I'm just saying, like, I've watched this mess it up for. But a part years. of me wonders if, like, a, of the the messing up for 20 years is like it's just been. There's been a so much turnover with coaches. There's been so yeah. there. There's been let's be honest. There's been a lack of. There's been a, a high level of dysfunction in the athletic department. There's been a lot of different athletic directors. There's been a lot of turnover there. There. There's obviously the change in conferences, which I think is is makes a difference as well. Like, and I, I'd say this: having Trev Alberts is like a, that. That's what I'm excited a, about. It is a great. It's a great. Um, I don't even know what the word is, but like it's a just a great sort of like uh, I don't have the word, it, but it's it's like the stability of Trevor. Yes, Albert I was just saying stabilizing stabilizing is, force. We've of, never had that in my. I mean, To came in and did what he had to do, but he was like, but To always felt like he was like, I'll I'll do it, I'll do it for I'll do it for a year. I got, for two I got an appointment. I'm going fishing on Thursday. I mean, he was retired. Be on Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> he was retired and was not. That was not his goal. He was I'll like, check oh. with Nancy. Nancy wanted to go. Tell him I'll like, do it. I'll be the athletic director, <laughs> I guess. All right. I was taking a nap. All right. No laughing. No laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no Tom Osborne impressions. We love Tom Osborne too much. He would do it till Thursday. And then he was done. I'll do it till Thursday. Thursday, I'm going home. I'm going I'll, be hunting, I'll be athletic director through the weekend. <laughs> then I got a couple of doctor's appointments. <laughs> but then, like, there was this feeling when he showed up. I mean, the dude, the, I, you know this, right? Like at the start of that season, Tom Osborne was helping out Creighton basketball. He was meeting with me about leadership and then he was the athletic director by the end of the year and it felt like he was doing it till Thursday. Right. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it to, for, for a week. All right. Sure. I mean, that is... Oh, it, feels, it, it feels wrong to do an impression of him, but it's... Dr. Tom. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Do we refill it? You need to refill. Refill. Refill it while we're doing refill. that. Quick time out. Tell you about Go Currency. Does your business? It's none of my business if your business needs something, but if your business needs something, <laughs> let me help you out with a little business, okay? You need easy competitive financing for trucks or equipment. Currency is here to help. Currency specializes in finding the best available rates and terms for construction equipment, farm machinery, trucks and trailers. In fact, customers get loans up to $500,000 with little or no money down in terms of up to 72 months. That's incredible. Currency can also help if you're getting serious about buying a new or used motorhome, fifth wheel, or utility vehicle. Just 
fill out an application and the currency finance team will get to work finding a lender with the most competitive options. Quick, secure, free to use. Go to currency.com. For details, currencies equipment financing made simple. Offer may vary, arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, DBA, currency pursuant, CFL, license 60DBO-54873. I'll do it. I'll do it till Thursday. I'll use Go Currency uh, through the weekend. You want me to? I'll finance it. No money down. That's fine. You got till Thursday. I like their interest rates. <laughs> Like it, like it feels mean to do that, dude. To our guy, I love. Tom okay, Tom I, love I love. Oh god, I, I mean, it, boy, and I tell you, do you think do we need to pitch the university for me and you to teach a history of Husker football class, and we'll just do Husker classic recaps with people? Our Husker classic recap. It's the best thing that has not gotten like a. I want. Is it wrong that I just want like either the Nobel Prize, an Emmy? Maybe even a Grammy. Like I want some recognition, goddamn it. I'll tell you what, that that's serious. I mean, we spent twenty minutes talking about Rick Burns. Yes. Like just running hard in the city. Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that if Husker fans all need to know. And it's good because you like you go watch those games and you're like, Yeah, Nebraska was good at one point, you know? Yeah, okay. We, we so hard. This so was hard. a the do you care about these last eight games? Oh, where are you at with that? Um, where are you at with? Because here we go. I mean, so where where am I at with the last eight games? So I needed a week off badly, and I got it. So thank goodness. Um, I don't know that I thought a lot about Indiana because it feels like there's so many other things sort of hanging over, right? Just playing the game now. What I will say, though, is like a win versus Indiana, I think re-engages Oscar Nation because, yeah, really we're 0-1 in the West. And a Look, win, at you. Look at you. Here's what a win does, though. A win <laughs> reminds you that, like, oh, we're a competitive team. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're winning the West by any means. But, like, it, it, we're back playing football then or something. Like, it, like, will regulate – the season will regulate the moment we've lost two games in a row. One was to a bad team and another was, we just got, just you got, got pounded clubbed. Right. So I think that, that if we could win, people will re-engage. I think if we lose Nick, I, I don't know where we go. If we lose. I, I couldn't agree more that I, I, in some ways I think this, and we do this, we're such like classic Husker media is like the next game's the biggest game of the year. No, by the, a, uh, the Oklahoma like, game was bigger than this game. I will say the Oklahoma game was bigger. Yes. Because Mickey had Mickey had his there was, was like Mickey's moment or something. Right. But I guess what I'm saying is like if Nebraska goes out and loses this game. There's a chance that the wheels fall off this thing pretty bad. Because let's be honest, I'm not so sure this isn't the most winnable game left. This is very winnable. Rutgers should be winnable. I want to say this is the only game, according to ESPN's FBI, that Nebraska's favored in for the rest of the season. I wish they wouldn't favor us ever. I know. I, I see that. I see that. And I'm like, three and a, uh, favored by three and a half. I'm like, on what planet? Why? Well, Vegas, Vegas knows most things. 
They don't know Nebraska. No, they've been whiffing on Nebraska for forever now. That, I don't know. That's why we've been whiffing on our Nebraska predictions. Yeah, because, like, I guess we're guilty we of it. We don't know but, Nebraska either. That's the thing. Is we study Nebraska. Vegas studies Nebraska. and Nobody can predict why it is that the things that are happening to us, are, it's like so freaking mind-numbingly crazy i think i think a couple of things i guess if do 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 you care about these last eight games i am i was way more sometimes you don't know how you're going to feel until you get into a moment mickey's got a hold on the fans hearts more than i maybe gave him credit for oh yeah like oh, yeah i, I didn't people are rooting for people mickey. are and, and are i don't think, and i mickey. don't think it's like lip cert you know like oh yeah mickey we're cheering for you and then it's like no i'm rooting like, for mickey I, so am i like i i guess so if if the if there's one thing that is interesting about these last eight games is to see if Mickey can somehow right the ship and be the guy. But here's what's hard. So here's what's hard about that is like there's a part of me that feels like he's sitting on a losing hand though. Like with this roster and this team, I'm just not sure if the situation lends itself to like again, if you brought in Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. I'm not sure this team could win three more games based on what I've seen through the first four games. Based on what I've seen through the first four games, like if our defense could find their footing and play average football, not below average football, our offense, if you, besides Oklahoma, yeah, Oklahoma win the but, tank. I know in Oklahoma, we just, we, we, we just, we had one drive that we looked like what yeah. we were doing. So, I still think we we forget like our offense has been pretty good for the most part. Yeah. We had one really bad game. Um, it's just our defense has been the disheartening part. Like special teams have been fine, mm -hmm. um, but our defense has been just bad. So now it's like if our defense with Bill Bush taking over, maybe a couple of tweaks with who's, I don't know. They really they've changed starters, but I know they've shuffled. Some they've shuffled people. some guys. I saw a guys depth chart. Yeah, that are yeah. To me, it tells me guys are are going to be pushing to to get in there if there's issues. So, um, to me, if you get some guys in there that like will play ball, um, you know, like we'll see. But like, oof. it's just hard. Like it's the. And this is why I think I framed, like, what am I interested in? I tried to manufacture something of what this season could be working for, and that's Mickey being the guy moving forward. The problem is, is if you remove that, the the chance of Mickey being the guy, there, there feels like this season is a march to nothing, a build towards nothing. Because you'd imagine the coaches probably aren't going to be here. A lot of these players might not be here. So... If you win or you, every win or loss feels relatively inconsequential and nothing will zap your level of wanting to invest more than if something feels inconsequential. Yeah. So if Mickey, so Mickey, that's the needs, hook to me. Yeah. To me, Mickey's, it, it's still in front of us if Mickey can do it. Like, so if yes. Mickey can win a couple because we got eight games left. Dude. It, there's so eight third, games left. We're a third of the way through the season. So we have two thirds of the season left. So if Mickey can get on a win streak, um, I think he needs to win. If he wins six, I think he has a shot. Oh, yeah. A shot at being the coach. But I don't think he that means he would go five and three in the final 
eight games. If homeboy goes five and three in these final eight games, he's the head coach. No, I, yeah, I think five. He is Nebraska is their last five games. They are losing all of those games. Minnesota is going to dismantle Nebraska. Michigan is going to dismantle Michigan will beat us. Nebraska. Did you watch Minnesota, what they did to Michigan State? No, I didn't. Oh, Lord. I mean, Flex got a squad. Yeah. And then, I, like, I just don't see them winning at Iowa, and I don't see them beating Wisconsin. Although Wisconsin didn't look great this weekend. Uh, but the problem is, like, you know, Indiana's not great. Rutgers isn't great. Like, But are they better than Georgia Southern and North Dakota and Northwestern? Maybe? I don't I know. I think they are. And that's the problem is, like, we, we could – we're, we don't know how to win games. Well, the problem is the, the I mean, Northwestern might be like, like atrociously bad. I mean, Northwestern's got one win and it's against Nebraska. They lost again this weekend to Southern Illinois. So it's like we can sit here. They lose to Miami of Ohio. And they lost to Southern Illinois 31-24. Oh so, God. oh, if they get to six wins, I mean, I like realistic number of wins left out there. It to me, it's these next two weeks. Like you got to win these next two games. I, I think it like if they can win the next two, people will at least be, I think, engaged the rest of the season. I think the hard part is if they lose the next two, and then you go, oh, Minnesota, Michigan. Like it's just like I know. So that's what I'm saying. Like it's, it's and I think ugly. the players would feel like that, and the coaches maybe start feeling like that. Everyone like you need to dangle that carrot of Mickey continuing to maybe being the guy yeah. to keep everyone engaged, fans, players, everybody, keep them locked in. And to me, that the only way that happens is if you win this weekend. You gotta win. If if Nebraska goes out and loses to Indiana. It is. I don't want to sit here and say it is just like it, the season's just it's over. But I just have a hard time envisioning them losing to Indiana at home and then somehow making anything out of these last seven games. I think it's just very crucial because I think if we do win, I think the fans will get like everybody will get a not a little confidence boost, but like a big confidence. I think the players will get a big confidence right. boost. Like I think with changes sometimes like if you make a big change and you see something good happen like okay we have a new coordinator in and then it works people believe pretty quick and our players will believe pretty quick oh yeah like, sometimes they'll go like maybe that's maybe this was what that's what the problem right. was and it wasn't that we can't tackle right, right. so um no you're right like you because i think there is a potential opportunity here with okay you got Frost is gone. Chenander's gone. You had a bye week. You you had this opportunity. The bye week probably let everybody catch their breath. Yeah. And if they would go out and play well, that would be an enormous shot of belief from the players on like the, all the changes. Like, well, Mickey's in charge now, and Bush is now now with this defensive Bush is running. Like, this is what's happening. Like, but it, to me, it's. And I don't want to make anything. I mean, you're trying to make Indiana, Nebraska the Super Bowl, but it feels like if th this game is, it shapes the season. It's the Super Bowl f for Nebraska fan engagement and player engagement. Maybe that's the best way to put it because it, Trev did announce that the game is a sellout, so sellout streak is going to extend for good. another week, which we talked about last week. That is I'm a good a thing. I am a supporter. 
But you're right. Like it's the Super Bowl for fan engagement. If you lose this game, it, it is hard to imagine a lot of excitement around here for the the final seven games. And if you lose this game, you just wonder where the players' confidence level is going to be at. And it just all those things get dramatically more challenging to stay engaged as a fan, to stay excited and confident as a player. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, there's still eight. There's not three games left. There's eight games left. And, and as a player, too, like this is where the argument for like making changes with coaches. Um, if you've lost three of your first four and you the coaches are the same, like I've been through that. And like, I mean, no, you know, seven, we were losing. Right. And it got halfway through the season and they, there was no changes made. And you're. And you're looking ahead going like, this is bad and it's it's only well, going to get you just that's a that's as a bad of feeling. It's almost a better feeling. These kids is like, well, we got new guys running the show. It's almost refreshes. So I think there's a there's an argument for this in the sense of like, it's a refreshing for the kids like this is new. Here's the new strategy. Right. And I think people need to understand from a player's perspective too, everything that happens day to day is reinforcing what we do. You know what I mean? It's like, this is our, this is like yeah. our way of doing things. And you're like, just, it gets, I'd imagine in 07, it pro- probably got pretty hard for the coaches to get up there and try to preach to you to like, stay the course with like the plan no. when the plan had not worked at all, you know? Yeah. And it was so you switch it up. You give these guys a different opportunity to think about something else. Yeah. Like that was interesting last week with you. You, I didn't think about it from that perspective on from a player's perspective on trying to give them a new view or set. Like you just get like a new lease on like the season it's a little like bit. It, like you get to start over. You get right. to start over. And sometimes you need that where if the old voice was in the old way of doing things was falling flat. It's hard to just be like, and we're going to try it again. Like they've done that for five years. Like they did it for five years. And now um, at least we're going to try something new. Like if we go down, we're going to go down, not just like playing the same songs. Like, right. Right. Keep on rocking. That's what was happening. We're going to play a new song. Right. And we're going to, we're going to see if if this is the one that works. What? Okay. The one thing I, I got to pull up what these stats were. I don't I heard. know why I went with Keep on Rocking. I, I like that you did that. What's a what's a worse? What's the song? Because that's not an annoying song. What's like an annoying song? Well, my Nick Boss, sneaky, most hated song in the world. Money, money. Here she come down. Uh, I don't know why. Money, money. That song kills me. Love Shack rubs me the wrong way. Oh, God. Love Shack rubs me the wrong way. Moni Moni rubs me the wrong way. Those are probably my top two. Those were kind of those are kind of sneaky played at like weddings a lot too. And you're just like, oh god. Is there anything worse than when you're on the dance floor and a song comes on and you're like, oh. what? I have a beef with wedding DJs because <laughs> you can't tell me if you're a professional. You do this for a living, and you decide, all right, we just had three great songs, and now it's time for Moni Moni. That's not intentional. You don't want to ruin our night. 
Like you are you trying to pace people? Like you're trying to keep them hydrated or like keep that like is it like a secret code? Like we gotta get these guys off the floor. Now's the time. Love money, they're getting money. okay. We gotta slow it. We gotta we gotta get them off the floor. It's Love money, Shack money. in here. Love Shack Money Money. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go Love Shack Money Money. We'll get them off the floor for a little bit. Let's then get we'll them out. Back. They need to go drink. We want them to get the bartender's paying me to so seriously get tips. So let's give them over the drink. I just do not like is there anything worse than that feeling when you're on the dance floor and the song that's played is just like no, I am not. I, so you you've always been least favorite songs, Moni Moni. What's Bears? I don't know. I'm trying to remember his. Do you remember mine? No. I don't like summer nights. Like the Grease song. The tell song. Oh, oh, the, tell me more. Yeah, tell that me more. Ah, oh, that's bad. Don't like that song. That song's bad. Song's annoying. Yeah, that's bad. You know what song is sneaky? Like I used to love that. Now is like, be honest. If Usher Yeah comes on, I'm a little like, I need about a, I need like a a five year. Like we need to put that song in a lockbox for five years, uh, and then like archaeologists need to find it. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Lil John Usher Ludacris, yeah, we play it now for <laughs> everybody to have party. Like then, that would be great. The only reason I like it, it's of, of the bads of the songs that are overplayed. It's a song I can I, I can kind of get going hear it for the, the only reason I like is my wife's dad, so my father in law. Yep. That's his track. Well, he doesn't know any rap songs. He was, he's a New Zealander, right? So he's from right. Like, he's a dairy farmer. <laughs> by trade from New Zealand and he loves yeah because they say and Ludacris says and I milk the cow he, he loves it because simply <laughs> because of that it applied to his life he says I milked it the cow. applied to his life so he likes it and he dances at weddings so as much as I'm with you I give it a I give it a pass right now because he likes it and he'll dance to it but he he likes the part where they say the milk cow. I respect that. I respect that. Cow. Where are we at? Farmer. Where I like that. I respect that. Now I feel bad. I even ripped on the song. But no. But it's 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 where where are we at with the Cupid Shuffle and the uh, the Wobble? I think I I'll I'll cube as much as this is embarrassing. My I'll my Cupid Shuffle before I wobble. I'm not a wobbler. Yeah, I think I think by the end of just next time machine, everybody on the dance floor wobble. By the end of the wobble, there everybody is so half-heartedly wobbling. No, that's probably like dance is about expression. Like those songs, like you, it's hard to add your own thing to them. My daughter loves the Cupid Shuffle because she knows left and right, and like so, Mava loves it. So that reinvigorated my love for the Cupid Shuffle. But I'm pretty anti the Cupid Shuffle because there's there's Cupid Shuffle. What's the other one that's wobble? The no, there's another one too. There's a what did Martin Lawrence call the Ghetto Hokey Pokey? I thought it was uh, (laughs) yeah. What did he call the head the Ghetto Hokey Pokey? It's not the Cupid Shuffle. Take it back, damn time. Oh, uh, turn around. Yes. Oh my God! That's this is saying. embarrassing. Martin on a Lawrence called yeah. the ghetto. He goes, yes. "That's the ghetto." Hokey can you go pokey. down low? Yeah. How low can, can you go? go? Head you go. What is that song? <laughs> I'm blanking on it right now. But that, that one might be worse than so. Cupid's probably better than that. 
Oh God, that's gonna kill me for the rest of the show that I can't I can't think of that uh, song. But yeah, that's a that's another one. Martin Lawrence called the ghetto hokey. Yeah. Pokey. <laughs> I know the ghetto hokey pokey one. Two stomps this time. Yeah. Coom, coom. What is that song? Turn around. <laughs> Everybody clap, clap your hands. hands. It's like, oh, this is everybody. <laughs> But oh. me and you want songs you can just you know you really can get, you get the hips in it. You just need if it's not moving beats. my hips, it don't exist. I you know what I'm saying? To have hard beats. Oh god. Okay, how did we get out of that? Um, bad wedding songs. I don't know how we got onto that though. I'm not sure how we got onto that. I can't remember. <laughs> oh, I know. I, w- I wanted to ask you this. Uh, this is a, no way to transition into this. Indiana, number one in the country in plays per minute. As Mickey said, they they're third the fat third fastest in the country in snapping the ball, so they play fast. He talked about that. You know, the key for that is to get like the the calls in quick. Yep. You had to deal with a lot of up tempo offenses. Now things have gone like even more so now. What's the key? Well, lay it out for us in twofold. What's the key to stopping a up tempo offense, and then? take us into the mind that you're a linebacker. They just got a five yard gain on first down. And obviously you're getting up and you're having to get lined up. And cause Mickey talked about like, you got to be able to like, it's like one word calls. Like yeah. you're getting the front, the cover it. Like, I mean, I feel like when I give me a chalk talk here, well, this is, I'm going to be a, this is a dated chalk talk. Cause I mean, this is like, we mid- did the wing tee. <laughs> we're playing. Oklahoma, we're going to run a, we're going to run a fullback dog. That's slow down. Where's Rick Burns? <laughs> if they want to play fast, Rick we're Burns. Gonna about Jeff McAvick. Rick Burns, I think we're pretty the chances good. Chances of them playing fast. If we play well. If Jeff McAvick chance at winning, if we give ball Rick Burns. Why are we doing two others? Um, I'm just. I mean, slow down. Slow down. Go way too fast. Okay, I'm sorry. Too okay. Um, I'm just thinking. I mean, like my day might not apply totally to this because it was it was the beginning what's sad is like our day is getting like to where it was like i'm saying it's getting closer a long time ago we're like back in my day let me tell you i mean that was when it was like you ever seen a shotgun formation let me tell you we we saw one team run the shotgun in high school central courtney grixby took a shotgun snap and like it was like a qb sweep they didn't know how to do it yeah but it was like damn dog they got the shotgun okay so what now but anyway so like that was when like Texas Tech first went like true spread. Mike Leach, true spread. Chase Daniel in Missouri. Yep. Uh, Mangino at, at Kansas. Um, Okie State went spread. Oklahoma finally went spread. Um, so we were seeing a lot of the spread. You got spread, point. boy. Tons of spread. But I don't know that we ever saw like the pace quite like Oregon did. I mean, Texas Tech went fast. Um, but you just, you kind of had to have like your base calls. And you just had to know you just had to know your your checks. It was hard to run. Here's the hard part, which I'm be very curious to see. When people go that fast to call blitzes and pressures, right? Yeah. So blitzes are basically six or more. Pressures are usually like like an even amount, right? Like yep. it's like a five a five man call, right? So um I don't know. I I don't know how they do that against the like super speed because most of the time, but the, the, the trade off though is like if they're going that fast, they're not thinking through like 
this is what they're like. It, right. They're running pretty vanilla stuff too. Yeah, they right? have a couple of calls that they're kind of probably doing a read off of. Yep. And so you just got to know that, Hey, it's going to be a handful of plays right. probably with run pass options on each. And you got to kind of have a good feel for what those are and take those away and make them do something else. It'll be interesting though. Like it's a, it's unfortunate for Bill Bush. The first game he's calling the plays that you're dealing with things that, I mean, you saw how fast Oklahoma was going. Yeah. I mean, you don't got time to call anything. But you're better off getting it in early. To me, it's all about, like, I'd rather have something in that you know is, like, this isn't a perfect defense, but it's in and we're ready to go than trying to call the perfect play at the last second and we're not lined up and we're not prepared each snap. Give me a sense and people listening at home got to be as novice as I am, like calling the plays on defense. What is that even like calling the plays on offense is a very understandable thing. Yeah. The Dick Bob podcast is brought to you by Pella windows and doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. By Pella, won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Can you, like, give us, like, the... Explain, in the words of Michael Scott, expl- I, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old, Okay. <laughs> If you had to explain calling the plays defensively to a to just to dumb it down and it's you you study the film of what do they do and then you chart out first down second down third down you chart out situations this is what they do in this personnel so it's a lot of it's personnel based okay. right they run let's say they have 11 personnel trips and it's you've charted it's 90% pass. You're probably going to call your defense if it's like if they come out in 11 personnel. Okay, here's our call. And if it's trips, this is the check. But like, you know, like you might, that's my, the way you might call out a game. It's like it's based on their tendencies with calls and checks, right? So sometimes you'll double call. You'll call two things, right? you call it so, hey, if they come out and, if it's 21, but they come out in slot, there's a check with slot, right? Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like slot is like yeah. two receivers on one yeah. side, yeah. tight end over here, right? Like, so there's things change based on formation, but you'll have a call based on basically the personnel. Like if it's 11, which is one tight end, one running back, 12 is one running back, two tight ends. Um, so there's just different, there's different personnel groupings. And you'll call or double call and you'll have your checks based on their tendencies. I mean, that's basically the game. And like pressures are that's like what the coordinator that's it, that's it, that's a gut call thing, right? Like right. 
And so, I, you know, that's the game. It'd be, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm, I am very excited to see, like, do you think we'll see a discernible difference in how the defense looks and operates? I would think a little bit. I mean, they're going to try to use the same terminology, but they're going to mix it up a little bit. I don't know how much they're going to mix it up, but probably I would think more. They're going to do some things differently, right? Probably a little bit more. I'd guess they'd simplify some things. They're going to simplify some calls and just say, let's play. Right. Let's just make it clear and let's play. I don't know. And I, I mean, think that's the way to go. I mean, in the end, it's like, let's make things clear. And oh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think when you hit a general rule of thumb, regardless of sport, like if you hit, a, if you hit making simplifying is the way to go over, over like adding more things. They do not need more things to think of. They need to simplify things. Yeah. And I get the sense that's what they're doing. I think they're trying to. But I also think this game lends itself to that because I don't think you can overdo when a team's playing so fast defensively. There's not a lot you can do when they're going so fast. You just got to make it. You got to have a call ready and go and like you just be ready to play. The the other thing Mickey talked about, they're potentially going to slow it down on offense a little bit to help out the defense. Well, they were supposed to against Oklahoma and didn't do it. Right. You know, that that's the part of like saying it and then doing it like let's the plan is let's slow it like and then it's like when you actually get in the game and right. you have to like uncomfortably slow the game down like and that's where i'll give pj fleck when they played us and they remember they were snapping it was like a second I on the clock it. i love it every play i love him for an entire game and you're just like i love it there was no way we should have lost that game to minnesota and we did they had half their team had covid and they they snapped it with two seconds or one second on the clock the entire game it was in such an impressive feat of time management. <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it in a way it was hard to describe. But why do I like all of the things about football that are boring? Because I like strategy. punting. I like it's time strategy. of possession. I like defense. I like running the ball in like I formations. If you like that, means you've gotten old. But it is because <laughs> with your age, you've gotten wiser, and you know that. When you aren't the best team, those are the things you have to do to win. When you're not yeah. the best team, you must control the clock. You must muck up the game and you must make it ugly and give yourself the opportunities. Do you think the like do you think the Brass gonna win this game? I have no idea. I have no I like I don't know. I didn't even this is the first game. I wrote down prediction, dot dot dot, and I didn't even finish it. Because I don't know. Nick Vegas doesn't know, we don't know. Right I wouldn't now, favor Nebraska. No, I wouldn't either. I don't know what we're going to come out, like what kind of gusto we're going to come out with. I like that gusto. That gusto? I like that. Because we need gusto. Yeah, they need a lot of gusto. We need our defense to play. If our defense plays, our offense will follow. I think I think we're going to see, like if our defense comes out and like, oh, the first three drives, see that? Indiana scores three touchdowns. Like it, It's going it, to be a long year. That's what it feels like the first. I, I feel like I've said this for a decade straight. It feels like that first 10 minutes of the game. Nebraska needs to deliver the first punch. If they get punched in the mouth first, not good. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't know. I feel like honestly, if I had to say gun to my head, I'd pick Indiana to win the game. I, I hate picking against Nebraska. So do I, but it's like, I just don't know based on what I've seen. It's hard to, it's hard to have much confidence in this team to, to win. 
Nebraska's offense needs to think differently. We need to think about like, okay, where's our weakness right now? We're struggling on defense. So what do we do? Well, obviously scoring a lot of points is great. Right. But you know what's better? <laughs> Running the ball a lot. Yeah. And having like See, but the problem is I think Whipple's like wanting to whip that thing around. He wants to play, whip. Should we play the he wants to whip. whip? I mean, he might need to whip that thing. But hey, how about the fact uh our our boy Gabe Irvin gonna be getting some burn Why do now? We love Gabe Irvin so because Gay Gabe Irvin, I am here on behalf of Gabe Irvin and the trials and tribulations of Ladies Gabe and Irvin's gentlemen, life. Let me present Evidence a Gabe Irvin falsely accused of not being a good running back. Seriously. His line didn't block. Ladies and gentlemen, the general, I see we're going to pull up the Fordham game. This is the first possession that I would like the jury to note the starting point inside the 10 yard line. Your options are very limited. Roll the tape. You see very disruptive tackle for loss. Very I'd like you to do. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, <laughs> let me point to Exhibit B, Oklahoma's field. Clearly, poorly taken care of. <laughs> Gamble tears his knee. His season was uh, just about to explode. I rest my case. If, if you and I got to Saul Goodman and Kim Wexler defend <laughs> Gabe Irvin in the court of the the state of Nebraska's opinion versus Gabe Irvin, I would violently defend Gabe Irvin. I am defending point. Gabe Irvin. I mean, nobody's I got no Gabe worse to rap. run. I think Gabe Irvin, I want a handful of things. To, I want Gabe Irvin to ball out. I want our guy, Chancellor Burlington fifth, to come in and, you know. He's going to tap into the trust fund <laughs> to dig a little deeper. <laughs> And make a couple crackback blocks and maybe a quick touchdown catch. I want more Brewington in my life. I want more Brewington in my life. I do want more Volkolek. Volkolek went overseas, hurt the ankle. He got special treatment. He got special Guinness infusion (laughs) in Dublin. Smirnoff. No, but I need vodka. They give me Guinness. Yes. Yada, yes. yada, yada. I don't play. We just got Seinfeld. You in, uh... can, have you seen you this guy, Jerry Seinfeld? He talked to Kramer and I yada, yada. Minsk. And in Minsk, we just got Seinfeld. Hilarious. I watch episode. I master <laughs> of my domain because I not touch. Elaine, I do not want <laughs> Elaine, not master of her domain. She got Elaine dumber. was done. She was dumber with no master. I want great show. I I am <laughs> Travis Volkolek. I review Seinfeld episodes <laughs> 30 years after fact. Okay. Kenny Roger Roaster. <laughs> Can you believe Chicken Shop open and Kramer lose mind over chicken? Jerry walks in acting like Kramer. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. So we're rooting for Volkolek to review Seinfeld episodes. We're, we're rooting for Gabe Irvin. We're going to Saul Goodman, Gabe Irvin all the I way to the top. Defend. I will defend. And then we want Chancellor Burlington to tap into the trust fund. Of course. I want more that. So is that too much to ask? What else we want in our uh, life? We want. Uh, what else are you looking for in your life these days? We want 
Reimer to go to the pool and make a splash. <laughs> Um, we will. Oh, Nick, don't hurt your stitches. Don't hurt your stitches. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Why did you do that? Oh, Lord, have mercy on my soul, dog. Nicholas, this always happens. Oh, we get to the end of the bottle. We went to France. No, we went to Italy. Oh, we went to Italy, didn't we? Why do I always do that? Because you always do it wrong. It's great. Oh, no, went to Hastings. (laughs) Nancy took my Hastings. I went to Hastings. You want to listen to some? Wrap it up. What do you want to listen to, dog? You want to uh, whip it, or you want to you want to Tom Jones? It? Uh, we either gotta whip it, or we gotta give him the moany moany. <laughs> We're gonna so moany moany it. No, in honor of. Can I give you the song that I wanted to play just because it's yes. good? Yes. Surprise me. Don't tell me. Don't. Okay, tell this me. is the song. I was literally had no angle other than how is this song not better or not more widely acclaimed? Are you ready? As we're gonna wrap this thing up. This song goes out to a special someone, Gabe Irvin, Travis Vokalek, and Chancellor Brewington. This one's for you. I mean, dog. How is this song not bigger? How, like, come on. Is this the Brothers Johnson? This is Frankie Beverly and Amaze before I let you go. Frankie. I mean, why is this song not played at the weddings? Because those DJs are in cahoots with the bartender. They must be. Mr. and Mrs. Johnson have cut the cake. You know what time it is. Why is this song not bigger and better? Like it's 1981. Before I let you, before I let you go. I mean, come on now. This is a good song to wrap it up to. The credits are rolling on the screen right now. Anything you want to say to the people before we we say goodbye? We can't turn this into Have you heard this song before? Have you seen it? Have you heard about this? No, we better not. Uh, do I'm we want to do Tom Osborne impressions? I think we better. Do we need to wrap it up? Let's wrap it up before In Thursday. 1981, I'd beaten Oklahoma. So let's want to say that. Rick Burns. Rick Burns, I love you. We'll see you next week. See you. Media Production.